Welcome back to the TC Spotlight. My name is Benton Moss, and I'm joined by my co-host, Turner Vatipka. And today we have a special guest, Dr. Lou Honeycutt, the president of Nash Community College. Uh, Dr. Honeycutt, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here. Absolutely. Well, we are working on getting um, as many of the community leaders around the area on the podcast just to highlight their organization what they do, uh, what they're known for, uh, but also just to share a little bit of their personal story. Uh, why don't we just start with your background? Uh, you have a PhD in... In animal science. Animal science. Okay. So um, let's start with your personal background, education, and then you know, career trajectory. And um, as we were just discussing, you are not a redneck, you're a roughneck from <laughs> Texas. So tell us tell us how you got here. I am originally from Texas and I'm old, so that, that helps the, the process, I think. But so I was raised on relatively large ranches in Texas and really thought that I would do that for the rest of my life. I, I was making $400 a month, and I was about to get married at age 19, and I would get raised to $600 a month when I got married. And I had something happen to me that we're lacking in our society today. And I, I was surrounded by mentors growing up, um, some good, some bad. But I had one, my paternal grandmother, who was an incredible mentor. She could have told me to pour gasoline on myself and light myself on fire, and I would have done it just because she said it. Is that what makes a good mentor? Is that, well, <laughs> that's a good point, Turner. Maybe, maybe not. I understand your point. Maybe that's a bad your point. example. But she, we were eating lunch one day, and so I'm 19 years old, and she looked at me and said, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I said, I'm doing it. I'm living the life. I'm on a horse every day. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to make $600 a month when I get married, and everything's going to be great. And she said six words that are why I'm sitting here with you all today. And this, what's missing in our world today is this mentor that says this. She said the six words, there's more to you than this. Mm. And I'm like, what? And she said, there's more to you than this. And then she went on to explain, and it, it kind of opened my mind. But then she literally drugged me to college, and I, I didn't want to go. I went to my first class, called after that, and said, I'm coming home. She said, no, you're not. <laughs> we got rid of you <laughs> once. But it started me on this pathway. Was she was she the owner slash operator of the ranch? No, okay. we we worked for people for gotcha. many many generations, okay. and gotcha. uh, or I'd still be there. I assure you, if we owned it, it'd be like it put Yellowstone to shame. Sure, it, sure, sure, sure. It, it's a, it was a big one. What's the life of a rancher, a young rancher kid like? I mean, it's you, incredible. You're on a horse. What what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, you're we, the 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 size of the ranches back home. Two hundred fifty thousand acres is not unheard of. That's I think what they say the Yellowstone in the mo the show is. But mm, um, okay. so there were seven divisions on the the um, ranch, and I was responsible. My family was responsible for fifty thousand acres of that. And so every day, I was literally on a horse every day, and get truly living the life out in the. Now you're out in the elements that weren't so fun too, heat right. and cold, but mm -hmm. but it was just a very open, just great way to live. And but and so you guys raise cattle, cattle, all okay. cattle, all back, cattle. Okay. Back home, it takes it just to give you a little ag lesson, real quick. In a in an area around here where you see all the green pastures and all, you may can raise like one cow and one calf on an acre. Where I'm from, it takes thirty to forty acres per cow. So when you talk about these big giant land masses of ranches. They don't raise as many cattle as you might think because it takes a lot more land to raise one on. Is that just the yield for the grass? It or? is. There's okay, a, gotcha. We get a, back home. We get 11 inches of rain a year. That's the average. And here I think 11 it's 11 inches, inches of rain, rain a, year. a year. It's it's a high plains desert basically. So grass is scarce. And if you manage it right, it lasts forever. Right. Because buffalo ran on it for millions of years. But, right. Uh, but if you don't manage it right, you won't be ranching very long. How do you how do you manage it? It you're on horseback every day. You're moving animals. You're you're stocking at the right rate. Too many people buy quote unquote ranches and they want to put their ten best cattle and five horses and six goats and three chickens and 
back home and, and people that have done it for even here for a long time, they know what should be there, what shouldn't be there, and you don't overstock. And that's that's probably why we don't see hmm. ranchers in North Carolina on horseback. I grew up on a on a cattle farm. Also had some uh, some cropland that they would rotate. Um, but yeah, I mean, we would just let the cows just hang out in the pasture because it had <laughs> lush green grasses, sure. and uh, we you know they would go out there and you know count them every day, and that's about it. Sure. You know? um, and they up, didn't want to go anywhere else because they had enough grass to eat. Yeah, I just grew up at Taco Bell. And- <laughs> You guys provided everything. You're a city boy. Well, there's beef there too. So you know, you're part of the process. Like, you're further like, down the food chain. Or I feel down like the I down was the farming in the same sense. So <laughs> just a different kind of farming. That's a great perspective. I like that perspective. That's what I'm here for. So talk about what I mean, what, what the that experience, you know, what did you bring from that experience, you know, when you when you got drugged to college? I mean, what sure. stays with you from that experience? Sure. Well, when when I went to college, that's that was back in 1982, which I know neither one of y'all were in existence then, but so back then there was a huge oil boom in the in the country. And so I decided if I'm going to go to college, I'm going to be something other than a, a rancher because I could have stayed at home and done that. Right. So all of us, every kid that went to college went into geology then because you were going to get these petroleum uh, business or these jobs. And so we had petroleum companies coming in, buying for us and promising $100,000. Remember, I was making $400 a month, promising $100,000 salaries. And in 1982, that was like yeah, 600000 yeah. yeah, wow. Yeah. And so all of us were signed up with these companies. And then in 1983, there was a bust. And so all these companies went away, and so there's all these geology majors sitting there saying, why am I taking all these hard classes when I can't do anything with it? Right. So I fell back to agriculture. Okay. I'm like, this is what I want to do. But then by then I wanted to teach. And so I asked my advisor, and um, he said, well, if you want to teach at the college level, you're going to probably have to have a Ph.D. I'm like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't think I want to go that far. But I knew I'd have to go through a master's degree. And so I did that. In my master's degree, so I'm not, Turner, you were saying you weren't a great student while ago, so I'm not, I was never a great student. So in my master's um, at New Mexico State, my advisor, who's supposed to be your mentor, right, I walked in one day and said, hey, I've been thinking, I really might want to teach university, I think I'll get a PhD, and he said, you're not smart enough. Oh, my God. <laughs> Basically said, light yourself on fire with gasoline. Exactly. Yeah. That's your mentor. <laughs> exactly. That's Certainly not what I wanted to hear, but so I looked right at him, and I won't use the words I use, but I said, you just ensured that I will get one right. because I will prove you wrong. And so after I got it, I won a bunch of awards in Wyoming, and not a bunch, but some. He sent me this really long handwritten letter on how he was just trying to motivate me. Oh, he's lying. Do, I know. He's so I sent lying. him one back and said, that's not true. You're just a jerk. <laughs> so, so not a good mentor, but it's yeah. why I had a, got a PhD. But he is a good inspiration. It was a very good inspiration. <laughs> Bad mentor, good inspiration. Because my stubbornness kicked in, and I, it took right. me five yeah. years to get it, but I, I got it done. And my paternal grandmother lived long enough to see me get my PhD. Oh, that's awesome. So that's that was special. incredible. Yeah, and it passed yeah, away special. the next year or so. You, you got your PhD in? <clears throat> in University of Wyoming in animal science. Okay. Where were you out in Wyoming? In Laramie. It's the only universe, highest university in the nation. Okay. 7,200 feet. Oh, and wow. That's oh, you mean physically highest. Physically highest. Physically highest. I was like, how? <laughs> probably one, highest in probably one of the Colorado ones might be the highest right. in the world. That's, uh, in the phrase. Uh, yeah. That's an actual Elevation. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Elevation wise, yes, the yeah. University of Wyoming is the highest. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, sure. Elevation. Sure. <laughs> I got to watch it with you, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was tracking with you. I think Turner's on another level. There's a perk of being a wedding venue owner is that, you know, I there just, you go. I'm only liable to myself. <laughs> this is true. Uh, okay, so you get your PhD. Yes. And what's next? So then I, during the completion of my PhD, which again took five years, I started applying to universities just to teach because I didn't know, I didn't think 
faculty, if you're a faculty member, you don't ever want to be an administrator because they're the evil. They're they're the, 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 the if you're an administrator, you kind of understand the faculty side. But I didn't ever want to be an administrator. But so I applied and got a job at McNeese State University in Lake Charles, Louisiana. So I went straight from Wyoming to Louisiana, big, big temperature and culture shock. But also in the first six months, I gained 60 pounds because I was a healthy racquetball playing, exercising kid during my PhD. Mm-hmm. But then I got to Louisiana and every, they were trying, I was single at the time, so they were trying to keep me there. So they brought me food all the time, gumbos and jambalaya and every oh possible gosh. good yeah. thing of food you could have. And I wasn't exercising anymore, so woof, it became a, a problem <laughs> for me. It's never ceased to be a problem. But So I stayed there for a while, and then a position opened back in Texas at uh, Southwest Texas State University. Same agriculture um, program, so I moved over there. And then my... Um, I really decided I don't think I want to I want to teach but not in the university setting. I want to be more in the private sector. So I was very fortunate to meet the owner of a ranch in Texas. It's an educational ranch in the central part of Texas. Mm-hmm. And so he and I clicked immediately and he decided he wanted a PhD on on staff so he hired me. And it was an incredible learning position because it was I didn't have to worry about paperwork and and meet committee meetings and all that I had one boss and it was great but then two years into that three years into that my father was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer Mm -hmm. so he came with my mother to visit we were about Texas is a big place so we were I was in central Texas they were in the panhandle still and it was about 11 hours away holy cow and so she had come several times he had never come with hours from Nine hours, maybe tip to tip, tip to tip, tip to tip. Yeah, if you turn North Carolina up straight, it would still fit in fit Texas. Of, oh my it's gosh. a big place. It's a, it's the biggest spy. It's the third right? largest, third, third largest, What's California the, and Alaska. Alaska. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's true. Is Alaska state? Does Alaska count? I don't know. I don't <laughs> well, is California state? <laughs> no. <I'm> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's a whole other. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a whole other podcast. But but um, anyway, when he showed up with her, I knew something was wrong. I mean, because he had never come that far down. Sure. Mm. So they announced that. So I started looking for a place back up home, even though I was very happy where I was. Yeah. And I found a position as a director at a community college. And so I'd been university forever. Took this director position, like I'll take this till I figure out what I want to do. Well, I fell in love with community colleges, so mm. I actually stayed there for twelve years. I mean, worked up to vice president level, and my job was to establish other campuses. So we were the largest service area in the state of Texas in the Panhandle with 9,400 square mile service area. It's wow. larger than seven states. And so it's larger than New Jersey, but New Jersey, being small as it is, has like 3 million people in it. Mm-hmm. Our part of Texas had 60,000 people in that 9,400 square wow. miles, but 400,000 cows. So I was right at home. I mean, it was my area, and I was out in it all yeah. the time. And so we built two additional campuses. Um, I could have late stayed there and retired and just coasted till retirement, but I'm a little type A, so I'm like, I need another challenge, but I wasn't really looking. Mm-hmm. Well, a friend of mine sent me a link to the University of Georgia position there. And I sent back and said, why on earth would you send me this? And she said, well, it's the ag campus. It's an it's assistant provost position, but you're based on the ag campus. And I'm like, well, I'll check it out. But Checked it down, and I thought, you know, this is the university. This is a, a R1, D1 universe. This is an incredible institution. Mm-hmm. What a, you know, that's going to be a challenge for me. I liked it. So I took that position in 2015. Stayed there four years. In my fourth year, another friend, I'm, I'm, I'm cursed or, or blessed with good friends, sent me a link to Nash Community College, to a link up here. And when she sent it to me, I said, why on earth would I want to move to North Carolina? And she said, you need to click this. It's kind of in the country. 
which is the only reason I clicked it, and it kind of is. It sits between Rocky Mountain and Nashville. So I clicked on it, and uh, again, wasn't even looking, but I was on the website for five minutes, and I'm like, there's something there. I, I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but it's all apply. So I applied and got an interview. When I came here in August of 2019, I still thought, you know, if this doesn't work, that's fine. But then I got here and toured the campus and met the people. And when I left, I'm like, if I don't get this, I'm going to be really upset because <laughs> there's just something there. Yeah. And we call it the culture of blue love. I didn't know it at the time, but but that's what it is. And so I did obviously got the job and I moved here in November of 2019 after four years at the University of Georgia. And the good thing it did for me Georgia was incredible, but Georgia got me off mission. And my mission has always been to empower all those around me to be all they can be. Community colleges do that. The University of Georgia, we would get 27,000 freshman applications for 5,000 seats every year, which means they pick the best and the brightest in Georgia. Sure. They didn't need us. They could have started at Harvard and been just as successful. Community college kids are extremely bright, but they need that little extra something. Sure. And so I was able to get back to to personal professional mission. But then, you know, that was 19. And in March of 20, this thing called COVID hit. And so we, my first presidency, we immediately went into this weirdness that we're still kind of coming out of now. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, some of the silver linings of COVID, we got to get to know each other better. My leadership team that I inherited and I, Mm -hmm. and I think we're, 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 not as far as I want in some areas, but, but as far as a trust factor among the team there, I think we're a little better off for, for COVID having kind of changed the way we do things. Right. Talk about how COVID has impacted maybe higher education as a whole first, and then maybe break it into some other subgroups as well. Sure. How that's and not just attendance, but like, has it changed different groups of people's thinking about where they want to go? You know, just... I want to hear you talk about that because you have a really unique perspective. It uh, it has changed everything. What's amazing is, you know, I'm I'm in my 30th year of doing this education of some type, higher ed, and it's it's different than it's ever been. And it's not necessarily all bad. It's just different. But so um, from a nationwide standpoint, community colleges are down enrolling about 20 percent and they're not recovering real quickly. Mm -hmm. And so we immediately in 19 or in early 20, we lost 15 percent of our enrollment when we went online with everything that we could. And they said to us, when you come back face to face, call us and we'll come back. Well, then life happened. And so still things haven't happened. So before COVID um, in the whole states, there's 58 community colleges in the state. The average part-time to full-time student ratio in this state was 50% part-time, 50% full-time. Post-COVID, the new average is 68%, and we're at 70% part-time. part-time. So Why do the, you think that is? Because life happened. People got two or three jobs, and, they, and, then, and then they figured out this work-life balance thing is maybe a little more important than some other. And if you're, if you're working in this county and you want to work, you're probably making really good money. There's right. a lot of really good jobs in this county. Right. Right. So if you're making $20, $22 an hour, you don't want to take, t- you don't, why do you want to take time? Or, or at least full time, like maybe a class exactly. every semester, work towards something, but right, take but, a f- full time, that opportunity cost is real. Right. And the, we're funded on a thing called full time equivalent, and it was outdated 50 years ago, but it is certainly outdated now. Okay, let's dig, what, definitely dig into that. That's <laughs> it's, interesting. It, it's it's kind of crazy. What, what it says, and North Carolina is even a little more stringent than other states. To get full Pell Grant funding, which would pay for everything at Nash Community College, it only mm-hmm. takes four classes a semester or 12 instructional hours is what they're called. So to get federal funding, four classes is it. 
in North Carolina, it takes an additional class to be a funding unit for the college. So it takes five classes a semester, both semesters, to be a funding unit. So I just want to make sure we're clear okay. on that. Is that a person needs to have? It's, yes. So they have to so have each five individual cl- student, This is a full-time right. student to be eligible for Pell Grants. To, they, they, they have to have four to be eligible for Pell, but in North Carolina, for the state to fund us as a college, I they see. have to take the other one, the fifth one. Right, I see. And it's, it was unrealistic 50 years ago. Even when I was in college, it was your vocation, and you probably went full-time, but you also worked and did everything else. Times were different then. And so the thought that we're going to have a student take five classes, which keep in mind that's about – a minimum of 20 hours a week just for the class. Just in class and then another 20 and homework, outside. et cetera, et cetera, and then work a 40-hour job exactly. or 30 hours and maybe right. they have a kid or whatever. And you have volleyball, basketball, baseball, right. all ballerina, I mean, all ballet, all this stuff. Right. And so the thought that the majority of our students are going to be with us 8 to 5 Monday through Friday has not been true in 50 years, but it is certainly not true now. And so – we're we're dealing with this nationwide, but certainly in Nash, we're dealing with this. So how do we address the population that we need to address now? Mm-hmm. And we're looking at different things. Like we had gotten away from a lot of evening classes. We're going back to more evening classes. We're going back. We're looking at Saturday and Sunday cohorts where you work all week, but come take a class or two on the weekend just to try to attract some of those people back. It's slowly but surely taking effect. But this recovery in the whole nation is taking way longer. Usually, if this had been an economic downturn, mm-hmm. enrollment goes up because right. people lose jobs and go up. Well, this was an economic turndown, but put a pandemic in with it. You didn't just because you lost your job, there wasn't a college for you to go to, or you had no, you'd been making mm-hmm. $80,000 last year. Now you got zip, but your financial aid goes off the last year. So you're not eligible because you're making $80,000 last year. They don't care if you're making zero this year. So there's a huge number of factors that have led to this part-time being the new student that we need to address, and that's what we're doing. Do you do you think that there's a shift from four-year to community college in that mix? I mean, how are the four-year colleges changing or have they changed after covid pre and post sure they've well. changed probably more significantly than we have um nationwide i haven't looked at the data lately but they're but they were about 26 percent down and community college was about 20 and 26 percent in a university is a huge amount of because the overhead is so high at a university right right 20 percent is bad enough at community college level but what we're also hearing for about 20 years businesses have said to us as educators teach kids what they need to know to be successful at work, not give them a degree. I, I, I don't care. I don't care. Well, for 50 years, we've been saying, get a four-year degree, get a four-year degree, get a four-year mm-hmm. degree, get a four-year degree to ad nauseum where everyone believes that. Businesses are now, and this state's a great example. We have a major industry in this, the statewide in this, this state that has basically said, we're going to quit having our system, our HR system, throw you out of the system if you don't have a degree. Because if you punch in the requirements and it says bachelor's required, every application that comes in that doesn't have before a human ever sees it gets thrown in the trash because you don't have a bachelor's degree. Well, they've got 11,000 openings statewide and they can't fill. So the governor got involved with this too and said the same thing about state hiring. Degree schmagree. Why are we we so hung up on degrees? Why aren't we hung up on skills? And so I think that's going to continue to plague universities because even at the two-year level, I'm a president, and Benton's heard me say this, I'm a president that doesn't think you need to go to college at all. <laughs> you need to. You have a PhD. Yeah, I have a PhD. <laughs> I have more degrees than a thermometer, as my dad used to say. But it, it's um, 
But but it's I I feel I'm very I have a lot of conviction on this. If you can, if we can train you to be successful in the workforce, you can get a job in this county and be highly successful. Maybe the rest of your life, or maybe until you need something else. And we we're convinced that we need to be addressing the skill level, and we do that very well. We run about 50, this year we're fifteen thousand seven hundred students for the year, and we got two and a half months left to go. We'll we'll pass, surpass sixteen thousand higher than the college has ever done. Mm -hmm. The highest before that was 14,800 prior to COVID. So we're very happy with the students we're serving, but in this funding model, we're looked at as 2,666 students because it condenses all the part-times into full-times. So 15,800 huh. yeah. were funded on 2,666. That's, that's based off the 12 hours or That full-time five-class yeah. thing. So the even the legislature's looking at, we need to address this. This is, if we're saying the community colleges are important and they're supposed to get the jobs for people, why are we not funding them at a, at a different level? So they're even looking at that. But um, it, the, it, the, it's a funding model that's been in place around the country for, again, 50 years. And it made a little bit of sense back then, but it certainly doesn't now. We're convinced more. We're kind of saying, you know, FTE be darned. We're not going to worry so much about the funding unit. If we're successfully getting kids into, I call every student a kid. I mean, if they're my age. So, so <laughs> the students, I'll quit saying kids, but the students. If we are successfully getting students into successful jobs, that's what we're supposed to be doing. That is our mission. So we're really kind of changing our attitude a little bit. It could affect our funding cycle. But then you, if we've made all the industries happy in this county, which we continue to do, money's the least of the problems that we have. So that's kind of our goal. Yeah, if you solve the problems, the the money certainly will, will follow. Um, what is Nash known for locally, you know, for that skills gap, you know, filling the, the local skills needs? Uh, what are you guys known for? Uh, what do you really try to, to, to attract people to program-wise or just um, part-time program-wise? Talk about that. Sure. So of that 15,800 that I was telling you about this year alone, about twelve or 13,000 of them are continuing education students. So they may come in for a one-day class of 16-week class, a two-week class. It's just quick skills training to get you a better job or a job. So that's the majority of what we do. Um, but we also have incredible what is called career and technical education diplomas and degrees and certificates. And that's things like nursing. You know, there's a nursing shortage around the country, certainly in this state. Part of the problem is finding clinical sites because you can't finish a nursing degree without clinical sites. Right. Or if you're in a rural area, there may not be anybody in the hospital. <laughs> That may be your only clinical side. There's no sick people, which is a good thing, right, right, which you can't finish. But also, there there's not enough clinical sites because it's a it's a pain to be a clinical site for that for that business or that doctor's office or that hospital. But that's we have an incredible nursing program. We get about 200 applications a year for our 42 positions. So I mean, it's very competitive. Mm -hmm. um, you yeah. finish a nursing degree, you got a job for the rest of your life. That's a fact. Yeah. Because so, right now we're helping out with the campaign at at Nash here. And that's the whole thing. It's just like it's so competitive because everyone is hunting for these, you know, like you said, 42 positions. But like there's 42 nurses who come out and every single hospital locally is looking for a nurse to come work for them. Rural, big city, whatever it is. Uh, it's just like it, it's all, and they got freaking great benefits that oh, they get offered. And to great go, salaries. Get, so if they can just get in the program and get through it then they're, they're guaranteed something the rest of their life. There's no question about that. I will say my wife is probably a contributing factor to that, but uh, I'll give her a break because she's got a, we've got a three-year-old and a 12-week-old at home, so she, that's her full-time job now. But she worked <laughs> she, at UNC now. She, she, she could just take them to work. 
Uh, I think they're working on the uh, the like some child care options. Like yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's a bigger portion of it too. To your point, oh. Dr. Honeycutt, about life happens. You have kids. It's impossible for you to pay for for a lot of people to have to pay for child care and attend full time and then not be making any money job wise. Just absolutely to live yep. right. Um, I mean, you have to kind of, it's the hierarchy of needs, right? You got to survive first and then exactly. sort of self-actualization comes, comes later. Talk about, um, so you, you were talking about the continuing education. Sure. The other students, uh, maybe break that out a little uh, bit. You mentioned, so you mentioned nursing is right. one of the major yeah. programs. What right. other major like trade programs? I'll tell you one that, that I would say, and we have many that are successful, but the one that I would say that is the most successful from a, a wraparound standpoint we have we have the only two-year electric line construction program in the state but we rarely have students in it because we also have a 16-week um, academy that's a li- electric line construction academy so think about that you're typically 18 to 23 probably living at home they all drive better trucks than i do i mean you're kind of mm-hmm. living the life 16 weeks later you can be ready for the workplace. And so typically Duke or Electra Cities or someone underwrites these students or their scholarship. Right. But even if they're not, it's incredibly affordable to go to, to a community college. So you're one semester's debt, if you will. Every semester for the la- every year for the last five years, 100% of the students that finish that 16 weeks or hired that the last day of class, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. What are they doing? They're they're out. It's like a utility contract. Yeah, exactly. All the trucks you yeah. see out working on the line. That's and if you see them in this area, I guarantee they probably trained with us. Well, you think? I mean, you think you have uh, Duke. You have all the electrical co-ops in North Carolina. Yep. And there's a ton cities. of them. Oh. You have the city of Rocky Mount. Yep. And, mo- and a lot of other uh, municipalities have their own kind of like the electrical co-ops. And, Absolutely. And it's just like, it's insane. Like those positions make great money. Well, like, ours. Because you're was, risking your life to get electrified. You, you are. Yeah, so hopefully yeah. you have a good degree so you don't get electrocuted. But They earn it. That's for yeah, sure. Exactly. The, the average starting salary of our latest cohort, which was in December, was 55000 So again, keep in mind, you're 18 to 23 typically. Yeah. No debt. You're probably still living at home. Fifty-five grand that's hitting your pocket. Three have come back, or two have come back after three years and started scholarships because they were making over a hundred thousand dollars. Now they were working all the time in many different states. Right. But you want to work, you're you're guaranteed because it's just like nurses. We they are are hitting. They do lunch and learns in this academy where companies can come in, and it's competitive to get enough for the companies to get in to talk to these kids because they want them all. Yeah. Yeah. And the demand is so much there for the electrical line workers because. Uh, I have a friend who works for Duke, and he was telling me at some point there was kind of almost some sort of strike kind of thing. Not exactly, but basically people were not willing to do something the company wanted to, and they were like, well, linemen, you have to do this thing. (laughs) And the linemen were like, no. And the company was like, well, if we lose all the linemen, then we will physically shut down. (laughs) And they were like... I guess you guys don't have to do this thing. like <laughs> Because the linemen were just like, we literally have the people who you call us, you send us to the spot where the power's out or whatever, blip or whatever. Sure. We're the ones who have to get up there and fix it. And he's like, so like, if you don't have us to go do that, well, you guys in the office aren't going to go do it. That's for Doug, I'm sure. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't even know what you're doing half the time. You just know that that's where it is. Somebody please go touch it. Uh, and so it's interesting because they're, the demand, it's like nurses. The demand Absolutely. is just so Critical much Critical human infrastructure. Right. And yeah. it's just like, the pay is great because without it, those companies understand that they can't function to the extent that or they just can't function at all because they have no manual labor. 
No, exactly. And they have to, they're the ones that are out in the weather, in the hurricane, in right. the storm, doing, keeping our lights on, which right. we're very appreciative to all of them. But, and it's the same way with our other CTE pro, career and technical ed programs. Welding is another prime example, advanced manufacturing. I mean, if we can name any of the, the career and technical ed programs, you got a job if you want one when you're done. Right. The smallest thing we do, but it generates a lot of the FTE component, the full time equivalent of funding for us, is the university transfer component. And so that's, again, it's not come back from COVID like some mm -hmm. of the others have, but it's, it's the one that you finish your first two years with us, then you go on for a four-year. And some things we need four years, like teachers and doctors and lawyers and things like that. So we'll always have a program, but many, many companies around the country are saying, I'm not going to hire you because you have a degree. I'm going to hire you because you're the fit and the skills. You have for the my, skills. Yeah, for and my you're, you're clearly competent. And you're competent, yeah, That's, exactly. That'd be ideal. Because <laughs> think about it. You can have a degree in anything, and you may be the least competent worker on the planet. Just yeah. getting a degree does not make you better. Well, and there's a, um, there's a layer of uh, – I have a friend who also runs this company where he goes and does these massive presentations for pharmaceutical companies. And he called me one time. He goes, hey, are you good at PowerPoint? And I said – well, I mean, I can't imagine it being that hard. And he's like, but no, like you have to be like really good at it. And I was like, well, no, I probably not. And he was like, well, I was going to pay you like 35 an hour to come and do this if you just knew what you're doing. I said, well, I don't know what you mean by being good at PowerPoint. But I was like, so I looked online and there's like courses for PowerPoint, Excel, just simplistic sure. things. But it's like those things actually have legitimate positions. They're easy skills to learn. Absolutely. And you can take a class on it and have somebody just break it down for you. But then you can, like, there's tons of these jobs, like what he was explaining to me, that he goes and does them all the time. But he just, there's just people who aren't good at PowerPoint, like, which sure. is, is funny. But at the same time, it's like, man, that's a real position. In and you didn't job. need a degree to get it. Exactly, exactly. You just need a skill that's, that someone needs to be trained on. Yep, exactly. How many of the students that you guys serve are local after they, they leave? What? That's a really good question. We we track some of that. It's really hard to track some of it, especially ones that go to sure, university. Sure, 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 yeah. But we, I would say in our con ed, it's basically 100%. Right. But now we do regional training for linemen, regional training for sure. law enforcement, regional training for fire. Yeah. But I would say the majority of people in the, so the largest population we serve is local or certainly regional four-county, six-county area. Gotcha. And I would imagine, I mean, the local bigger employers like the Cummins, and that, which they had a great big announcement. I Absolutely. probably saw that. Uh, reinvesting, I think, in New York, NC, and Indiana. Um, exactly. So a lot of that investment will come here locally, which would be great. Uh, I mean, we're talking, you know, $100, $200 million. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they, do they interact with you guys about, oh, hey, absolutely. here's what we need. Can you help us find people and train them, like the electrical line certificate program? They do. We have, and I would I would hate to even guess the number, but I would say it's 40 to 50 businesses. Most of the, the industries, big and small in this county, depend on us for training. And so, like, Cummins will have, Pfizer has a clean room on campus they train in. Um, Cummins, they come to our advanced manufacturing center all the time for training, or we go out there. So it's a very much a great partnership that says, tell us what you need. On the continuing ed side, we can develop anything overnight and have it ready. On the curriculum side, the university transfer side, it takes about three years to start something new. So sure. it's a lot easier to be mobile and get stuff done on the con ed side. Sure. You um, talk about... I know you had a presentation um, at the Chamber of Commerce board uh, meeting maybe a few weeks ago about one of the new programs uh, that you guys are trying to attract 
some of the leak or uh, the leakage, I guess, of mm-hmm. some students that just don't make it anywhere after high school for whatever reason. Sure. And they've got the capability to do it, but maybe they just need kind of a path, right? Exactly. Talk about the the winner. The, the winner. Yeah, yeah. That's, I do. I'm glad you remember. It. See, everybody remembers that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so we we have begun a, a, a they'll start this summer, but something we call the Work in Nash or the Win Academy. And so everybody that finishes is a winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> exactly. And what it is, and it's again a university president, I mean a community college president saying don't go to college. Every high school in the nation, every high school has, the average is 40% of students who just don't know what they're going to do when they get out. They've not been in advanced placement classes or what we call college and career promise, which is college classes that we teach already. They're just the students. They're, they're not left behind. They're not the, the slow student. They're incredibly good students. They just don't know what they want to do. What's 40%? In our high schools alone, that's about 2,500 kids. And so what we looked at, we, every business that we go to, I sit in a meeting with 14 HR people from the largest companies in the county, and to a T, they were all saying the same thing. I need people who will show up on time who will stay their full shift, who will put their phones down. Who will, They didn't say, I need people to know how to run the Cheesecake Factory line. Right, I mean, none right. of them said that. And so I took notes in that meeting and came back and kind of modeled this off a program we had in Texas where we go, we don't, uh, we don't talk to the advanced placement kids or the CCP kids, the kids we already have in college classes. We go to the next level down and say, what do you want to do? do what do you want to do when you grow up? And, and a lot of them will say, I don't know. Well, we're starting this academy, so if you sign up to be a winner, uh, you're not a winner till you finish it, but <laughs> but if you sign up and complete, then you'll be a winner. If you want to be a winner. If you want to be a winner, that's a, I didn't think about that. That's good. I, listen, all I'm saying is I told you I have a marketing agency, <laughs> and afterwards we can discuss this. Is that copyright? Why, why is it that, that the worst students are the most creative? <laughs> and the best, the best students are the least creative. There you go. That's, that's, <laughs> that's very true. So, so true. I don't know. But so... We're going to be in conjunction with the public school system because what I told you all in chamber, and I mean it sincerely, the way out of the workforce situation we have in this county is the school system. They are the only renewable resource of people. Oh, we're, we're aging out as a county. We're about 60% of the county is approaching retirement age in the next 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. But we're only replacing ourselves for the first census in, in history of the United States. In the last census was the first time we have not replaced ourselves with young people. Right, we're like 2.1 or something like that. 2.1 is what we're supposed to do, and we fell like to 1.7. 1. 1. Which yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, how yeah. you have 0.7 of a kid, but hey. That's You'd be not, shocked. Maybe. I'm hoping after COVID we'll <laughs> have a COVID. only about this tall. Yeah. Oh, they're short. I get yeah, exactly. it. Exactly, yeah. I'm hoping after COVID we'll have a like a COVID a huge boom. Uh, boom. Re, re- yeah. That's now, just my, I do hoping. have a question about that whole thing you're talking about with the high schools and stuff. I know you guys do the early college program. Yes. Is that sort of a connection with that? Or? No, early college is something different. We have it's on our campus, so it's mine, but it's really the school systems program. Mm-hmm. But that's a uni- full university transfer program. Okay. So there's about 420 kids in it right now. From we have a fifth year of super senior year, so there's five grade levels, freshman through senior. Right. But it's all geared. Now they get some certificates while they're. They're finishing, yeah, yeah, yeah. but they're all geared towards getting to a university. Okay, somewhere. their goal is to get. To we have years. the skills high school and down in the old high school building. Mm-hmm. It's called City High. Those are the kids that are working on skills programs, but they're still more certificate driven. Mm-hmm. And so these kids, the new ones, we're going to go to is to say, "Don't know what you're going to do. Doesn't matter. Come to the Win Academy. We're going to in three weeks in June. We're going to teach you things not 
how to succeed at Sara Lee or Cheesecake Factory, mm-hmm. how to succeed in any workplace. Right. All right. those soft skills that, you know, I, I, I say bad things about your generation a lot when I talk about, talk about <laughs> please, soft please. skills. Please, please. Bring it on. It. I dare I you. I won't do it here. <laughs> Let's there's, hear it. There's two of y'all and one of me, so I won't do that here. But we, as a culture, we've lost. The, the, and COVID only exacerbated this. We've lost socialization. We've lost issues that shouldn't be issues anymore are huge issues for people because we don't, we haven't been talking like this in mm-hmm. a long time. Right. And so we're going to train them on how you need to be successful in a workplace. But we're working with business partners and the business partners have to come to the classes, have to uh, do tours at their facility. And then they have to guarantee any winner an interview. Mm-hmm. So we hope to get about 16 to 20 businesses that we're well on our way. So this 18-year-old kid who's just graduated from high school who doesn't know what he wants to do is told by the president of the college, don't go to college if you don't want to. Let us help you get a job. They're going to go through this three-week course and get 10, 12 interviews. Mm-hmm. They're going to end up making 18 to $22 an hour, which $20 an hour is $40,000 a year. And they're going to – and it kind of has a third component of it. So we're going to engage them, get them successful – but while we've got them, their parents, mm-hmm. who typically a big proportion of this group of parents may or may not, they may be a single parent household, they may be in abject generational poverty, all these kind of things. Well, we have an adult basic ed program that's incredible, high school equivalency and things like that. Mm-hmm. So as we're engaging the kid for this three weeks, we're going to be engaging the parents and saying, is is it a high school diploma you need? In this county alone, 10,000 people do not have a high school diploma right, right. between wow. ages 25 and 44. So that's basically huge. you're saying you're going to work through the kids, help them, and reach up in future generation or past gen, past gen, they're not dead, they're still alive. <laughs> Reach into older generations. <laughs> there you go. And the whole try, family, and, try and bring the whole family in to <laughs> sure. repair exactly. these. Exactly. The rising tide raises all currently. ships, so to yep. speak. And, yeah. and so, of course, there'll be benefit to the college, but that's really not why we're doing it. We're, we're, we really need to engage this group of kiddos who, if we don't, there are 2,000 kids in this county right now, 16.1% of the county are 16 to 24. They're not in school and mm-hmm. they're not at work. Right. If you're that age and you're not in school and you're not at work, you're either doing nothing or you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. Absolutely. That population is only going to continue to grow if we don't address this population in the high school. And again, it's renewable. Every year yeah. we're going to have 2,500 other kids that we can choose from. And so we hope it becomes a little competitive. We're going to start with 80 students, 20 at each high school. We're going to teach it in the high school they graduated from with high school teachers. And then we hope to eventually work up to 100 or more per class. If we did that, that could be up to 400 students a year entering the workforce, ready to go mm-hmm. three weeks after graduation from high school. Yeah. It should be a good thing. Well, <laughs> and this is why I wanted you to highlight and give, thank you for that uh, elevator pitch. It was fantastic. <laughs> but um, I'd call that one a win. <clears throat> it's a win because I'm, <laughs> I'm a win. winner. Because you're a winner. <laughs> if you ask somebody like, you know, Elon Musk, how would you redesign the education program, uh, you know, curriculum or education in general he would break it down into first principles of okay after high school you need to learn soft and hard skills and then you need to be directly in front of you know job givers so that you can get feedback on how you can then better be prepared to enter the workforce and what you guys are doing is is directly that sure you know? i don't use elon musk he talks about first principles but to me that we're trying to solve for skills skills not degrees right you, no, you exactly. take like that circuitous route to go get a four-year circuitous. degree and then just 
go get. I did get a four year degree. Yeah, I said, you got to. <laughs> that's outside my. I have a master's degree, and that doesn't even make sense to me. <laughs> to get to the same route. Exactly. Which yeah, is getting a job to learn those skills. So, what you're doing is just short circuiting that. And not only that, but for probably the kids who need it most. Well, right. The crazy thing to me is I think it's mainly what you're saying is, you know, they're doing the same thing he's talking about. And in the end, the whole goal is to get a job. And exactly. from that job, you learn a lot because it's hard to learn specific things that each company does. Like, like I. Until you're on the job. Right. Until, right. And, then, and then that company, like, let's say somebody works at Honeywell. Mm-hmm. Well, the manufacturing you do at Honeywell is going to be extremely different from the manufacturing you do at Cummins. Exactly. And so your goal would essentially be. To here, let's learn as many skills that are transferable, transferable across all paths, right. and then take that and have those ready. Because if I can do those, and I'm not a total weirdo or something, and I'm not doing drugs or anything like that, well, then I'm probably got a strong chance of success. Exactly. At least, whether what level of success, you know, that's that's a you can't compare yourself to everybody. Sure. But nonetheless, the goal is to achieve success in getting a job and staying off of. Uh, dependency of others and whatnot. Well, and that's the, so with the companies, what they're telling us, those 14 that were sitting in that room, mm-hmm. they're, because if you want, there's forever job, forever, there's two and a half jobs waiting for anyone that wants a job in this country. So that's why people are moving around so much. Right. And so if, I'm going to use Surly and, Cheese, Surly and Cheesecake Factory, even though they're not across the street from each other, but the, the analogy I always use is if you're working for Sara Lee and you get mad, you walk across the street, Cheesecake Factory hires you immediately because they need to meet their quota. Right. You get mad at them two weeks later, you're back at Sarah Lee, they rehire you back. Mm-hmm. And so the HR directors are saying, we're having to train the same people every two weeks or every month on the same things because we got to hire them and we got to go through training. We're going to take that. We want to take that training part out of what it takes to be successful. Yeah. Let them go to orientation and learn how to run the Sarah Lee machinery or the Cheesecake factory machine. But not all the unnecessary the other soft skills. The transferable skills right. they should theoretically already have. Right. Because right. the winners will already have that. They'll know to right. show up on time. Stay. I'll give you a really, really good example. There was one business, I'm not going to say who it was, sitting at that table that said, here's the best example I can give you. We, and this was about a year ago when we met. We went to our folks and said, here's the deal, people. We're going to raise your salary to $19 an hour, which is when everybody's pushing for 15 so that was good. Mm-hmm. They said, but if you will come Every day to work on time and stay your full shift for a month, we're going to raise it to 22 So $7 more than the national average, right? You know how many raises they gave after a month? Zero. Zero. I bet, yeah. Because it wasn't just money. It, everybody thinks it's all about money. It's all about money. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's about learning how to survive the culture of the workplace. That's what we want to do. Money will come. And, if you're, and these students, if you, we also want to keep them here. Every year at graduation, we send our best and brightest out of Nash County. Right. They may come back when they're y'all's age, and they or but they may not. They may find. I left my home county at nineteen. My mother would say, "I've never been back," but I have been back. But I did not ever see an opportunity to move back to work. Right. If we let them go, we'll never get them back, or we might not get them back. Mm-hmm. If we keep them here and get them into a successful workplace, and they stay a year or two, they'll be running the place. Because everyone's switching around so much now. Yep. So it has the, we hope it will have the benefit of, again, a rising tide raising all ships um, around the county. That's the goal. And yeah. it'll take a few years for it to really set in and to see, sure. to get the feedback of how is this working, how is this helping, and, you know, those folks that are staying more local. But, yeah, no, I, I love the local emphasis and trying to solve local issues. That is 
That's what it's meant to do. So. That's you know, my I'm a one county for the first time in my career. I have one county in Texas. We had nine counties, nine thousand square, ninety four hundred square miles. In Georgia, I had basically the whole state. I have a Nash County and Nash Community College. I love it. So I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the state. I'm concerned about the region, but I'm honestly concerned about Nash County. Right. You're, well, the the place you're trying to help the most is Nash, Nash County. County. Exactly. And then you understand there's things that play outside of the aesthetic that affect you, but your sure. major focus is here. Yeah. yeah. Well, sure. we are certainly lucky that uh, someone with your skill set and your experience is at Nash Community. Thank you. Focused only on the county, N- Nash County. So uh, we appreciate what you're doing. Uh, this has been a, a great time yeah. together. We've, I feel like, we've I feel learned like, a lot. I feel uh, like we're. I feel like we missed so many topics. So we'll need to have you back on. Sometime. <laughs> I agree. Hey, I feel like. I feel like there's so many other programs that you guys do. We could come in and talk Absolutely, about. Absolutely, there really are. So. I, think, I think Dr. Uh, Dr. Denton would be kind of fun to have. Uh, yeah, we'll do a little history uh, thing. Cross exam. Yeah, history. Yeah. Thing, yeah. History plus education. Yeah. So that'd be interesting. <laughs> but uh, we don't want to keep you too long, Dr. Huntington. This was a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything else you want to offer the listeners, or anything else you want to highlight before or any we let sort you of go? plugs or anything that any way they can look into? To taking classes at Nash. Sure. I mean, we got summer enrollment and summer and fall enrollment going on right now. So if anybody's interested, go to, to nashcc.edu to the website and then get started really quickly. And I'll tell you, we do have what we call the culture of blue love. And if we just get you on campus, if we just get a hold of you, we won't let go till you succeed. So come so see So you us. become a real winner. A real winner. Except That's for right. like in all the programs. So. <laughs> Perfect way to end it. <laughs> Dr. Exactly. Honeycutt, thank you so much. This was a pleasure. Thank you all very much. This was great.